1: Hello and welcome to this week's Football Digest Extra Time. I'm Ned Keating, video journalist at The Mirror, and I'm joined by the Liverpool Echoes, Sam Carroll to discuss Saturday's Merseyside derby in the Premier League. Defending champions Liverpool slumped to a fourth home defeat in a row while Everton were partying like it was 1999. Uh, Sam, is on my hand on Merseyside in this podcast today... Uh, Talk us through your general thoughts on the game at the weekend. Obviously, a, a great result for yourself being a, an, an Evertonian, um, but for Liverpool as well, just more, more, and more questions uh, as the season continues to unravel for them.
0: Yeah, I think uh, obviously be, being a big Evertonian, uh, I, I don't watch Liverpool every single week, but but still do watch a lot of their matches. And I think what's what's changed this season. Uh, everyone's spoken about the injuries, and everyone knows about the impact that you know losing die. Uh, Gomez and and now Matip and in the game itself, Henderson, you know, that would derail most teams. But I think what's worrying uh, for, for me, for the outside looking in, is that, you know, certainly over the last couple of years when, you know, they finished second to Man City but pushed them all the way and then won the league. Uh, and even at the start of this season, really every time Liverpool uh, would get the ball and go forward, they always looked like they were going to create a chance or score a goal. You know, they, they, they worried you and the movement of Mane, Firmino, Salah, didn't change. It was, it was terrifying. It was I, I hated playing Liverpool uh, because of that. mainly. But, you know, the game on Saturday was, was strange. It, it was kind of, you know, they had, they had a couple of moments, didn't they? It was outstanding save from Pickford, uh, from Jordan Henderson, but that was more of a snap, uh, snapshot. The, the one kind of classic Liverpool chance they did make was when Shaqiri played in Salah and, and it was another good save. But apart from that, it didn't really trouble us. And 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 I had the sense of maybe from, you know, any time Everton play Liverpool, you know, when you get into those last 15, 20 minutes, you're always worrying because of our kind of history and in recent history and the fixture of conceding late goals. But it just kind of felt, you know, it, it, it didn't feel like Liverpool were throwing the kitchen sink at it. Do you know what I mean? It, it felt quite comfortable for Everton for the most part. So I think that, that will be a worry that, you know, okay, obviously... If you take your two midfielders in Fabinho you and know, Henderson, like they've had to do for most of the season, obviously then you you miss out what they bring to the midfield and then the strikers miss out on what obviously the service they usually bring. Uh, so I can see that a kind of domino effect for them, but that is certainly a, a problem up front. But yeah, as you said for the Blues, it was, it was party night, it was a great night. <laughs> One of the best nights of my life, I think. To you know, I, I just kind of present myself to thinking we'd we'd never win at Anfield and, and to do it the way we did. You know, Fairly comfortably, a uh, little icing on the cake You know, to, to get that penalty late on and, and secure the win as well. Um, and, and I think Everton now have kind of, it's similar to Liverpool, they've, they've just got to kind of, you know, the games we lost at home this season Fulham, Newcastle, West Ham, Leeds. I think we've just got to seemingly stumbled upon a, a formula of playing. You know, Chelsea at home, we beat them, Arsenal at home, we beat them, Wolves away, Leicester away, Liverpool away now, we've beat them. Uh, was seemingly quite good you know, sitting, sitting deep and hitting on the counter and and picking them off like that we now need to find a way of making sure if we do want to finish in the top four this season you know those games that we're expected to win especially at Goodison Park, uh we can find a way to just take the handbrake off a little bit and, and start putting teams to bed and, and making sure that we don't kind of shoot ourselves in the foot so yeah a, a, a game I think that does kind of bring up a lot of interesting uh, plot points for the rest of the season now so it will be interesting to see how Liverpool bounce back and whether Everton can finally use that now as a springboard to put together three, four, five wins on the spin and, and really themselves in, the, in that race for certainly the top six, but hopefully the top four. Of
1: course. I suppose the, the only thing that was missing for yourself and, and other Everton fans was the fact that you couldn't be there in Anfield to, to enjoy it as well. Um, and I suppose that kind of brings me on to another point about where we're talking about Liverpool's uh, recent home form and the fact that it's four defeats in a row at Anfield for the first time since 1923. Um, Liverpool, uh, under Klopp especially, have kind of been known for being a, a fortress uh, at Anfield and the fans are a big part in that. Do you think a lack of fans, and especially for the Derby, you know, the atmosphere would have been cracking on Saturday for it, but do you think a lack of fans is is hindering Liverpool this season?
0: Yeah. <laughs> It, 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 it is, isn't it? The, the style of football that they play and what Klopp has brought. Uh, obviously, there is that tight knit relationship with fans, but I certainly don't think Klopp would want to be using it as an excuse. And, and I certainly don't. You know, it's not like Liverpool's the only team in in the world playing uh, without fans at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Everyone else in the Premier League has has got to deal with it, and, and, and Liverpool have got to find a way to to kind of get that little spark back at home without them. Because it certainly seems like you Know the next five, ten games are, are going to be played still without fans. Um, so, so it's a difficult one. Do you know what I mean? That at the end of the day, fans or no fans, Liverpool should have still been beating Burnley, they should have been beating Brighton. You know, no Liverpool team should get beat 4 1 at home, you know, regardless of whether you're playing Manchester City or not. And, and then the derby, you know, the, the you no, know, it speaks for itself. I think you can see it uh, certainly on on a lot of the Everton players. You know they they were up for that game. You know it meant something to them. You know you've seen the reactions of you know Tom Davies and Ben Godfrey, Jordan Pickford at the final whistle. Um, and I just kind of w- wonder whether Liverpool players had that same had that same spark on the weekend, had that same little little uh, bit of fire in the belly to, to get results. So you know uh, everyone. It is struggling. I think at times at home this season. Because at the end of the day, if you're one nil down or it's one one going into the last five or ten minutes, fans, you know, as, as Howard Kendall said, you can can suck a, can suck the ball in sometimes and and give you that extra little ten percent. Um, but every team is missing that, and, and every team you know needs to find a way around that. And you know, a lot of a lot of you know, Sheffield United, beat United at Old Trafford, would that have happened without fans? You know, some games Everton have lost at home. Would that have happened without with fans in the stadium? Sorry, so it's difficult, but it's something that the Liverpool have got to get the heads round sooner rather than later. Because now it's not only for getting the title; you're now thinking another couple of defeats, and you know the top four could look a long way off, and that would be a really, really scary proposition for Liverpool after winning the title last season.
1: Might sound like I'm giving Liverpool uh, a fair amount of excuses here. I haven't already mentioned about the lack of fans, and now we're going to look at the, the, the injury list that they've got. I mean, you know, the busiest person in Liverpool this year is probably their physio, isn't it? Um, Jordan Henderson, the latest uh, to, to suffer an injury at the weekend. Joel Fabinho, Virgil Van Dyke, Joe Gomez uh, on the sidelines as well. And that's Probably another thing that really hasn't helped. But again, you know, I'm sure you can put it to it that other teams have, have suffered massively of injuries this year as well. And and again it's just the case of Liverpool probably having to find a way, perhaps a little bit more difficult because you know you've taken out some leaders in that team in Van Dyke and Henderson, but they've still got to find a way uh, around that problem.
0: Yeah at the end look it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I know that, you know, rival fans can can have that thing of, you know, you moan about injuries and everyone has injuries, you know. In history of the Premier League. Has there ever been, you know, three, all three of your main centre-backs injured at the same time? It, it, it's unusual, isn't it? And I do feel for Liverpool and I do feel for year Warp and, and, and obviously the players who are injured uh, in that in that respect. Um, but at the same time, I think it's, you know, Liverpool did take that risk last, last summer by, you know, letting Dejan over and join Zenit. And they decided not to replace him because obviously for being how they felt could do a job. At centre back, if needed, um, and, and now they kind of they've, they've paid the price for that a little bit. You no, know, they still probably would have had to sign a centre back, regardless. You know, if the same injuries had happened, and they had bought one in the summer, um, but it's a difficult one then because you know they've they even at the start of January. I don't think they were considering going into the transfer market. Matup gets injured, Kabach from his first couple of games, you know. You've got to obviously give him a little bit of leeway as a young lad coming into a new league, and um, but he doesn't, he hasn't, you know, shown he hasn't slotted in too well immediately. You know, he did get caught out for that opening goal. Um, so the, the, there's the mitigating factors, and and it is tough. You know, I've never personally seen injuries like that, and it does you know, even Henderson going off in Derby and Klopp was laughing on the touchline, wasn't he? Because he, I think, he said to himself it whenever the physio comes to him and says he's injured, he knows it's going to be a defender or. You know, a makeshift centre back because of the nature of the season and way it keeps happening, but you do have to find a way around it. Now, yeah, I was saying to one of my mates before, it's 25 games have been played this season. You know, it's mad, isn't it? The, the season weirdly still feels quite young, but Liverpool have now only got 13 games left to, you know, to, to fight for this top four place and, and to have a go. So um, they've got to get themselves together sooner rather than later because at the end of the day, what they don't want is for Virgil Van Dijk and Joe Gomez to be coming back in the summer and to be playing Europa League football next season, or worse, you know, no European football at all. I think that would be a really difficult situation to leave themselves in. You know, we have become accustomed to Liverpool like being top four regulars under Klopp, um, and, and that's obviously where they see themselves. You know, the, the, the champions of England for the time being. So it, it's a tough one, but you know, Klopp is a is a motivator. You know, he has changed the club over the last five years, uh, five, six years. So, you know, it it is really down to him to see what he can get out of this this squad. You know, you've just got to hope now that you're Nat Phillips, you're Ozan Kabaks, um, you know, Fabino and he's back, Ben Davies, who have signed from Preston. Hopefully they can pull it together. But as I mentioned earlier, they need, you know, Sadio Mane hasn't been at his best now for a while. I don't think a a lot of question marks around Roberto Firmino as well. So. They have problems at both ends of the pitch, and you know, thirteen matches to to try and just kind of drag themselves into the top four. And I think really that would be a, a huge achievement for them now. And for me now, with everything that's happened, I think it would be a successful season if Liverpool finish fourth. I, I really do. Of
1: course, um, just turning the focus to Everton now, your your specialist subject, I suppose. Um, saying that you'll be you know only too pleased to talk about a, a great result for them at the weekend, Um and probably the best possible start that they had in the derby was that. Was that early goal because it takes the pressure off when you're away from home as well? It allows you to play the kind of game you're never chasing it, you're in control, you're the team that's it's almost dictating the way that the game's going to be played. And that's exactly what Everton got the opportunity to do on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and I think in the context of the week we had as well, you know, at the start of the week, we, we spoke uh, last weekend, you know, we had Fulham, then we had Man City in midweek, and then it was the Derby. And, you know, the, the it, it felt like, you know, get the win against Fulham, bit of a free swing against City. And then let's see what we can what we can do in the dark. And then getting beat at home to Fulham and then getting beat by Man City. I think that, you know, if we would have got beat by Liverpool, which I think a lot of Evertonians have just resigned themselves to because we hadn't won there for so long. You know, some of the, the bizarre and like kind of humiliating ways we've lost there over the last couple of years as well. Um, you know, three defeats on a spin in this current climate in the Premier League with how tight it is for the European places. It, it kind of felt like, it might be the uh, the, the death knell on a, on our own push um, for Europe kind of thing. So to get that early goal to give us that confidence back that you know would naturally have taken a knock after losing to Fulham City was great. And as you say, then uh, Ever- this Everton team is is, is perfectly set up then to 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 play that way to defend deep uh, and just kind of control it from the back. You, know, you don't have to have the ball all the time to to be in control. I think you know we kind of let Liverpool have it and basically said, go on, what are you going to do? Try and break us down. And, and he didn't have that usual um, spark that we've grown accustomed to. So, you know, it, it was great from an Evertonian point of view to watch, uh, you know, James Rodriguez. I mean, you know, you don't always see him in the games, but, you know, how many of you in football can just take that ball out the sky and just see that run from Richarlison and the, and the way to pass to do that? And, you know, what a masterstroke it was for Everton to sign him. in the summer. So I thought that was outstanding. Um, it was one of those days you know we do player ratings after the games at the and it was one of those days where I think all the lads could have just got 10 because every single lad just done the job you know every person done exactly what was asked and it wasn't fancy arms, it wasn't glamorous you know it wasn't the kind of football that's going to be replayed for years but we did what you have to do to, to go and win at, at the champions and uh, every single person uh, got stuck in every single you know the, the tackle up from Godfrey on Shakiri at the end you know you could really see how much it meant even when you know the game was going on which uh, for me was, was great to see especially after some of those results we had to kind of take down there over the years so I, I really do think now that this result more than anything has to be the springboard for us to to have a really good end of the season and at the end of the day you've got to respect that when Carlo Asti was appointed manager last season you know there, there was still a, a fear of getting stuck into a relegation battle that was a, that was a thing that people were associating Everton with you know, in the space of 18 months, he could potentially take Everton into Europe. And I think that's just a mark of a, a world-class manager.
1: Brings me on nicely to another point they're talking about Carlo and, and what he's done with the club since he took charge. You know, you look at, yeah, probably since that first season, since Roberto Martinez, Everton, for the size of the club that they are, have you could argue that they've underachieved. But Carlo Ancelotti looks to be taking you back towards those... The, you know, the, the European spots, at least, anyway, getting you back into, you know, hopefully at least the Europa League, maybe even the Champions League this year. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on, on the job that you think he's done so far. I I think you're going to be very positive here.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, he's he's just changed everything, uh, especially for me. You know, I was born uh, a month after we won the the FA Cup in 1995, so you know I've I've, I've seen us go close, you know, especially under David Moyes, under Roberto Martinez, but. You know, I think you had just start to resign yourself. You know, it was season after season of kind of, you know, even when we had a good season, sometimes, you know, like under Martiner's first year, the first year under Koeman. But we still, you know, we'd get to Banfield, we'd lose at City and United and Spurs. And, you know, it, it, it was tough. And the last few years, especially, have been been pretty grim to be in Evertonian. You know, we had, you know, Sam as manager, which wasn't a pleasant experience for, for anyone who's kind of endured that. You know, Marco Silva again came in his first season, promised so much. You know, we spent big then in the summer and we bought Jabamon and we bought Moise Keane. You know, both of them haven't really worked out, but obviously, you know, still hopeful Jabamon will when he gets over this, you know, his really horrible injuries that he's, he's had to put up with since moving to England. But again then, you know, being close to relegation and when Silva left, names we were being linked with, you know, it was... Those Moyes come back and then you know you're almost thinking is that a step backwards and Mark Hughes and people like that and you know for Mishiri and Ken Wright to go out and bring Carlo Ancelotti to the club uh, and just for what he's done you know I think what I like about him is that you know we've, we've lost some pretty bad games with Carlo you know we had the Liverpool B team in the FA Cup last season there was a game away at Wolves last season just awful and one of the worst ever performance I've seen we got beat at home by Bournemouth who were already relegated on the last day um, but he just comes out and he's always very kind of calm, collected, you know, we'll work, we'll go again. And he has always delivered it, you know, it's never been false promises, you know, he has always said, we'll come back next week, I think we can win, uh, you know, I think we'll do this. And, and and he does kind of always deliver on that. There's been a few games this season, you know, where we've we've lost maybe a surprising game at home and then we've went and beat Leicester away or Wolves away, you know, get beat by full one weekend, win at Liverpool the next and I think he is finally changing that mentality shift that Everton of kind of being the best of the rest, you know, the, the, the you know the nearly team to, to now maybe, you know, building something special. And, you know, Everton had had a bit of a shepherd's record in the transfer market since Barhad Mashidi had bought the club. And I think Marcel Brands has come in now. And I think them two are just getting the mix right, you know, of signing the players that Brands obviously wants. But also then when Carlo's saying, you know, go and get me Hammers, Rodriguez, go and get me Alan from Napoli and they're coming in and they're having an instant impact on the team which is which is really good to see so you know I think there's a stat isn't it when Carlo's ever finished lower than sixth in his managerial career or or something like that so you know if he can do that again at Everton this season and get him to the upper league then it's perfect and you know he he has just shown his class as one of the best managers of all time and you know if, if he could get Everton to the Champions League it would just be a dream come true for for so many people and you know, would cement himself as a as a club legend. You know, especially if he could add some silverware, which I think is going to be the goal in the next few years. You know, whether it's a league cup or an FA cup, I think we definitely you know we've got that kind of albatross around our neck of not winning the trophy. But Carlo is ticking them off. You know, we're winning at Liverpool. You know, we've we've ticked that off now. Now let's kick on. Let let's qualify for Europe. Let's win a trophy, and you know, let's just see where we can go over the next few years.
1: I suppose there you kind of summed up where you think Everton could go for the rest of the season, what you think they might achieve, but with Liverpool, I know you touched on it briefly um, a little bit earlier, just talking about the fact that you think the top four would be a, uh, a successful season for them. I mean, looking at it now, I suppose the big thing for Liverpool is to, to get a home win again uh, to stop the rot and, and try and kick on from there, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think as I said before, you know, 13 games to go, uh, but they've got to get back to winning ways, they've got to now you know, after going sixty games and beating at home, they've lost one spin. They've, they've got to make sure that next home game is a win as well. Uh, and for them now, they're in a they in a position they haven't been in for a long time. You know, they're in a dogfight. You know, it, it it's a word usually associated with the relegation battle, isn't it? But I think this season there's still eight or nine teams who are all hoping to qualify for the the Champions League or the Europa League. And then also, you know, this season if you finish seventh, the Europa Conference League, which I've got me doubts about, you know, whether people would actually even want to qualify for that. It's a little bit of a wooden spoon, isn't it? If you do finish in seventh, um, you know, Liverpool certainly wouldn't want that The season after winning the league. So, you know, they've got to get the, they've got to get a move on. They've got to find confidence from somewhere. Um And this is the time when, you know, Jürgen Klopp has always said, hasn't he, of wanting to turn doubters to believers. And he's done that over the last few years, but now he's got to do it again on a small scale because, you know, I think what I haven't seen in Liverpool for a long, long time is just that lack of confidence. You know, even when they, you know, they went one nil up at Leicester the other weekend, you know, when Liverpool used to score, you'd be like, it, "Game over." But there's still just that feeling that you know this game isn't over, and I think other teams can sniff that out. You know, and Leicester did it—you know, three goals in seven minutes—and uh, again, I just think you know, Everton teams have gone to Anfield in the past with a psychological block, but you know, after losing three games in the spin, after seeing them get on a home by City. I, you know, I think there was definitely a feeling that Everton were like, you know what, well, we, we, we can have a real go here. So, you know, the Liverpool have got to find a way of getting that fear factor back. And the only way they could do that, I think, is if your Sadio Mane's and your Mohamed Salah's and your Roberto Firmino can, can get fighting again. You know, it, it is only Mohamed Salah at the moment, I think, who, who is playing at the level, you know, we expect them three. Uh, so, yeah, I think Klopp has got some big decisions to make, but hopefully, you know, he'll be hoping he'll have Diego Jota back in the next few weeks, hopefully get Fabinho back, uh, Fabinho, sorry, get him back. Hopefully Jordan Henderson's problem isn't too serious too. And that can kind of drag them over the line for those next few just to get themselves back into that top four. Because, you know, at the moment, you, you, you're thinking City top, you know, United seem to be firmly in there too. Third, Leicester, Chelsea, Everton are in there, West Ham in there. You know, so it's, it's going to be a real fight. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, how the games pan out for Liverpool and you know whether Jürgen Klopp can, can get them over the line
1: and if I had to push you who would finish uh, who is more likely to finish higher up the table is it going to be Everton or is it going to be Liverpool this year
0: <laughs> As a big Evertonian I've got to say Everton haven't I and, and honestly if we finished above them this year, awesome. uh, after all after having to watch them you know push City for the league uh, that season then the next season they went and won it an absolute canter you know for me it just felt like Liverpool were never going to lose football matches again i got so used to them winning Um, so for us to finish above them I think the ideal scenario for me would definitely be for us to finish fourth and maybe for them to finish seventh and have to play in that Europa Conference League that no one's playing and after uh, playing Krasnodar on a Thursday night or something like that I think that would be quite quite funny so yeah but again it would just show what a job Carlo Ancelotti is doing but, and Everton if that but Again, for me, it's baby steps at the end of the day. Liverpool have still got, you know, a world-class squad available. They've got a world-class manager. They've just won the league. If Liverpool finish fourth and we finish fifth or sixth, there's no shame in that. That's still an amazing season for Everton, uh, considering where we were this time last year. So, you know, for me, I'm just hoping fifth or sixth minimum. I- I- I'd love that. And look, Man City in the quarterfinals, the FA Cup is going to be tough. But they w- have also got their eye on the Champions League and the Prem. So I do think that if we could... Uh, beat them in the quarters I think a few people might make us favourites to win that competition this season so fifth or sixth and an FA Cup for Everton that would do me as, as the ideal season uh, and I think Liverpool now have just got to be realistic and if they finish in the top four with everything that's happened to them with the little but bad run through, I think I think Jürgen Klopp even would turn around and say look we've had a good season we'll get Van Dyke back we'll get Gomez back bring in a few new faces you know clear out you know, is Origi good enough? Is Shakiri good enough? I hope maybe they do need a little bit of a squad revamp and go again next season and, and, and try and get the crown back. Of
1: course. Well, Sam, thanks for joining us uh, this morning on, on Football Digest Extra Time. Uh, just a quick one to point out as well to uh, for others to listen in on Thursday uh, when our national writers uh, come back for the main Football uh, Digest show. Uh, all that's left for me to say is thanks for joining us uh, this morning, and we'll see you again soon.